Well, hello and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet. And how the hell are you? Speaking of hell, by the way, can someone please tell me, do you like to capitalize H in hell or do you like to leave it in a lower caps, lowercase? Because... I tend to capitalize it, and lately the editors I work with have been kind of coming down on me saying, do not capitalize hell. And I'm like, but I want to give it emphasis. I want to say, go to hell. I don't want to say, go to hell, dear, in a very, you know, subdued kind of way. I want it in your face. I want to say, I'm a bat out of hell, capital B-A-T, out of H-E-L-L. But, you know, I'm not doing too well with the PC new sort of editors of this universe. You know, I'm constantly in trouble. No, 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 you can't say that. You can't say that. All right, come on. I gave food to some homeless people in Tompkins Square Park. And I told my friend about it. And she said, you cannot call them homeless people anymore. You have to call them unhoused. Now, I just don't get it. Do you really think the homeless people care whether you call them homeless or unhoused? They just want some money and some food and a place to stay and maybe a job and some dignity. You know, call them homeless or unhoused, but, you know, give them 20 bucks and and a hot meal and maybe a place to stay. They're going to be happy, right? So get over yourself. So I don't know. But people keep telling me this. I got corrected like six times recently about hell, lowercase hell caps. I don't know. Go to hell is what I got to say. All caps, you know, H-E-L-L, all caps. But I'm on a roll. So I've had quite a wild couple of days. And I'm kind of in the zone of things that, you know, if you've been catering long enough and you've gotten to be good at it, Part of it is certainly doing great food. That's a big part of it. But a lot of it, is, a lot of it really is what you do in emergencies. So a lot of you know my famous Wendy's chili story. I'm pretty sure you know it. But I'll give you a quick Reader's Digest version. I know, I know, you're too young. You don't know what a Reader's Digest is. Shut up. Speaking of which, I just was in Tompkins Square Park for the anniversary, the 35th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, which was when they went to push all the homeless people, all the unhoused people, forget it, all the homeless people out of the park. And people were living there. I mean, living there for a long time, intense. They were collecting mail. They had a whole community and a whole life in there. And they went to push them all out and it turned into a big riot, which was kind of at the same time as the yuppie invasion of the East Village. So it was like the old school East Villagers were chanting yuppies go home and it became a big thing and the cops got involved and people got hurt. And it was pretty horrifying. And when it was all over, Tompkins Square Park was never quite the same. So I happened upon a 35th anniversary of the riots today in Tompkins Square Park, and I had been lamenting the uh, pretty much the death of punk rock as I knew it in the late 70s and early 80s. But come to find out, it is still alive and well. I just have to get out more and maybe listen to bands that are, you know, new, 
you know, I tend to think there's no good new music, but there really is. So I was on my way to work and I passed a couple of young punkers and one of them went to hand a woman a flyer and said, you know, we're playing in Tompkins Square Park. And the woman, of course, snubbed them and went running past. But it hadn't occurred to them for some reason to give me the flyer. So I said, dude, what's the deal? When are you playing? What's up? He's like, oh, it's a, a punk whole festival in honor of Tompkins Square riots, blah, blah, blah. So I took his flyer. And I went to work, I did my groove thing, and I got there. He said the punk festival started at 3. I got there at 3.19, and there was a half-decent band on. And I saw my young punkers running around, so I couldn't wait to see what they were going to be about. I thought maybe they're even good. And I watched a lot of it, and then they came by, and I said, are you guys going up or what? And they said, no, they already played. I'm like, what? What, were you like the first run? Forget it. They said, no, they were the second. So I don't know. Probably started at two and they got their time wrong. Punkers were never so good at timing. So I didn't get to see them. But I did get to see a lot of old school punk rockers, you know, throwbacks from the 70s, the Mohawks and the sawed off leather jackets and the CBGBs and the whole thing. And it really got my, you know, my jazz going, my moho going, my mojo jazz, you know what I mean? And H-E-L-L, all caps, it really got me going. So I don't know, you know, it's kind of a crazy thing. Like I don't miss the crime of the 70s and 80s of New York, but I do miss the edge and the punk and all that gorgeous stuff. I don't like Times Square Square being like Disneyland. I like there being hookers and, and, you know, porno theaters. So I don't know what that says about me. And I don't care what it says about me. I like a little bit of edge. I like my soup spicy. I don't like vanilla ice cream. I like, I like sea salt and caramel, actually. But I digress. Now, what was I talking about? I don't even remember. Went to work, punk rockers, saw this whole action in Tompkins Square. Oh, who knows? All I know is I want to capitalize hell. So like I said, I've had a very bizarre couple of days. I was in Provincetown, my favorite place in the universe, as you know, except for the fact that they've been kind of ruining it. I read recently the Nantucketization of Provincetown, I think they said, which is like corporations buying up the property and the prices going up through the stratosphere and the artists and writers not being able to go there anymore and it just being a whole town full of day trippers. And what a bunch of chazerai. What is wrong with you people? Get some affordable housing. Make the artists and writers come back. Give places for the waiters and bartenders and stop complaining that you don't have a waiter or a bartender because what the hell are you doing about it, right? No one can afford to live there. But I digress. Anyway, I was in Provincetown. I didn't get to stay in my fabulous place on the water that I have loved for many years because they doubled the price overnight. And there you have it, still complaining. I am fetching. And there you have it. And so instead, we got a kind of a cheapo place off the water. And we just said, ah, oh, whatever. We're in Provincetown, right? So we had the whole trip booked. And people usually book me for a wedding six months to a year in advance. This crazy couple, they were in the middle of another country. I think they were in Switzerland when they contacted me. They booked me for a wedding last minute. I couldn't believe it. So I had my birthday in Provincetown, thank you very much, at the Lobster Pot, where I ate entirely too much and I don't care. And I would happily come back and eat entirely too much again. 
And I hopped on that little bitty nine-seat plane out of Cape Air. I mean, oh, my God. You know what? I know people love it and they're cool with it, but I am not a flyer. I took a Dramamine before I got on it. I probably should have taken a Xanax, too. That is just a little too real for me. A nine-seat plane? Uh Uh-uh. And the whole time we were in the air, I was trying to memorize what the pilot's doing because I figure if something happens to him, you know, I may have to take over, you know? Anyway, then we land in Boston, and I get another plane from Boston and fly into New York, thinking this whole thing was a time saver, and it wound up being like seven hours later anyway. And I wake up in the morning and get to the kitchen and start marathon cooking for this wedding. I think maybe the next time this happens, I don't know. Either I'm going to say no to the wedding or leave Provincetown a day earlier. It was a little too masochistic for my nerves. But, and it happened to be an incredibly difficult labor-intensive menu, which I created, so I have no one to complain to because I made the menu. So it was delicious, but lordy labor-intensive. So then we get to D-Day, which was Saturday, the big wedding day. Everyone's excited. And my van driver contacts me to say that he can't get the van and his SUV is broken. We have no ride. And I didn't want to go to a wedding in two or three Uber cars, which is what we'd need. I really needed a big vehicle. So at the last minute, I went through a few connections I had with my friend Manuelito, and we got a school bus. I kid you not. This goes in my crazy, crazy stories. Oh, I didn't tell you about the Wendy's Chili. Remind me of that. Okay. Which shall I tell you first? I'll tell you the Wendy's Chili first. So the Wendy's Chili story was in the beginning of my career, when these Oklahoma boys refused to believe that a Jewish girl from New York could make their Oklahoma chili. So they hired me, but they insisted on FedExing in their chili from Oklahoma. And the party was way out in the boondocks of Long Island. So I had a couple of parties that day. I sent my chef way out in the boondocks, like hours out of Manhattan. And he gets all the way out there, and he realizes he forgot the Oklahoma chili back in the kitchen. And there's no way the party's starting in less than an hour. So I said, here's what you do. I ordered my staff to go to Wendy's and pick up 50 quarts of chili. Then I had them doctor it up with cumin and coriander and chili powder and everything in the refrigerator. It was ketchup and Worcestershire and cracked pepper and mustard and Tabasco, you name it. Everything went in that Wendy's chili. And Wendy's chili's not bad. Not that I'm giving them an advertisement. Anyway, so we pulled it off. A couple days later, I get a call from the Oklahoma boy who's like Burl Ives, you know. He's like, well, I'm like thinking he's going to tell me his lawyer is calling me. I said, yes. And he goes, aren't you glad you used our Oklahoma chili? Isn't it just the best chili in the world? And I'm laughing inside because I know that I just gave them my doctored up Wendy's chili, right? So I said... Yes, sir, I bow to thee and your clearly superior chili. It was hysterical. But then, of course, we were stuck with all this chili, so we put it on all our staff meals for the whole month. And we had the most gastronomic staff. Let's just put it that way. There were a lot of people lighting matches that month. So that goes in the memoirs of what it's like to be a caterer, right? And here we go now on the way to flew in on the nine-seat plane from Cape Air and to Boston and to New York and did all the food and we're ready to go to the wedding. And I had to 
hire a guy with a school bus. And you know what? It turned out kind of great, except that since he didn't have a lot of notice, the front row of the school bus actually had his three-year-old little girl and his four-year-old little boy playing video games. And off we went with all our food in the school bus to the party. I got to say, we really did make quite an entrance. And if you check me out on Instagram, Chef Rossi NYC, it's all one word, C-H-E-F, R-O-S-S-I, NYC. You'll see a picture of us all getting into the school bus. Hysterical. Anyway, you know what? It wasn't that bad, actually. Kind of, we got a kick out of it. We were doing sing-alongs on the way, and it was a very good de-stressor. And then I get to the party, and it's marathon. I mean, tons of food. And this is kind of funny, because this couple hired me from Switzerland, and they wanted all Korean food. So I assumed that they were a Korean or, or an Asian couple and, and or an Asian couple. And in fact, no, they're just a couple from Switzerland that really, really, really likes Korean food. So I came up with a pretty yummy, delicious menu for them. And while we were prepping all the food, normally I use very little sesame oil, like maybe in a dumpling sauce a few strategic places, but like not for the entree. But with this entirely Korean menu, I, it was like really a lot of sesame oil. And I was joking around in the kitchen. I said, well, I certainly hope no one shows up for this wedding who's allergic to sesame. They'll have to go out for a Domino's pizza. Well, I shouldn't have said that out loud because as soon as we got there, a waiter comes over to inform me that a nervous mother let him know that her son is deathly allergic to all sesame sesame oil, sesame of any kind. So what were we serving? Seared sesame crusted tuna on a rice crisp with, with wasabi aioli, vegetable dumplings with a sesame tamari dipping sauce that were basted in sesame oil, crispy Korean fried chicken that were tossed in a sauce that was chili, honey, lime, and sesame. I mean, you get the point. And the dinner was a salmon with a beautiful sauce of gochi jam and sesame and a roast, beautiful roast Korean pork that I cooked in chili and sesame and tamari and a saute of bok choy and collard greens in rice wine vinegar, tamari and sesame and a refried Korean rice that was hinted with toasted sesame. I mean, this was like the sesame dinner. So... Luckily, we made a beautiful vegetarian staff pasta, you know, pasta for the vendors and the staff so they could eat before the guests walk in so they wouldn't be hungry because that's how I am. I'm Jewish. I like everyone fed. So I said to this waiter, bring me to this mother and her son right now. And so he brought me out in the middle of the crowd to the mother and her son. I said, listen, I got to tell you, in 34 years, we've never had this much sesame on our dinner menu before, but it's a Korean menu and it's crazy amount of sesame. But luckily, I have a beautiful pasta primavera that I can serve. And the son, who was about 16, actually was thrilled because he didn't feel like eating Korean food. He wanted to eat pasta. And I said, I can give him that with a great seared piece of salmon without the sauce. Is that good? He was just excited. He didn't give a hoot about the salmon. He was like, thank God I get to eat pasta. I'm 16. I don't feel like eating Korean food. So that all worked out. But I mean, lots and lots and lots of crazy stuff. 
starting with the fact that I hired a bakery to do a couple of really special cookies that I was adding to my mix of homemade cookies. They have a couple of things they make better than anyone in the universe. And one is they make a mini black and white cookie that I wanted to bring. It's like a welcome to New York mini black and white cookie. And they happen to make a spectacular oatmeal raisin cookie. Well, we get all the bread. Guess what's not there? The cookies. That's right. And we're like a half hour before I have to leave for the wedding. So again, I go into emergency mode. In my freezer, we had just made beautiful lemon cookies, and we had just made tahini chocolate chip cookies, and we had just made peanut butter, gluten-free peanut butter cookies, and I just raided my freezers, and they wound up getting 10 times the cookies they were expecting anyway. But it was like a lot of high adrenaline. I mean, here we are. It's one day later. I don't know if you can tell. Perhaps you can. But I'm still all amped up on adrenaline. I mean, it's hard to come down from that. At the end of the fabulous wedding, we got to ride back to the kitchen in our little school bus. And I don't know, I started to really get a kick out of the whole thing. You know, I think that's something I sort of missed out on because for whatever reason, everywhere I lived growing up, we were always walking distance to the school, which I suppose is a good thing because it means that you can sleep just a little bit longer maybe. Like when I was in grammar school, we went to a school in Bradley Beach, New Jersey. And we lived about 14 blocks from the school. It was doable. And when I went to grammar school and high school, we lived, unfortunately, only two blocks from the grammar school and one block from the high school. We were literally, our front yard was across the street from the football field. And I say unfortunately because it seemed that Everyone I went to school with knew of all my beeswax. I don't want them knowing all my personal business. So if my mother was out on the front lawn yelling at me, and while she, sometimes when she yelled at me, she had a tendency to expel mom's enormous amounts of gas. So you do not want people you went to high school with to see you being yelled at by your mother while she's simultaneously marathon farting. It is not a good thing. And then you've got to go back to school and hear about it, you know, forget about it. We'd have much rather lived a little further away where only my neighbors would be shocked and horrified. Like when I saw that whole thing with George Bush sending all the troops over to Iraq and all his crap and his chazarai, and he's like, oh, look at me, shock and awe, shock and awe. Meanwhile, people are getting killed left and right, and I don't know how many thousands of people died because of his shock and awe, shock and awe. Shut up. Anyway, I thought I've already lived through shock and awe. Shock and awe, shock and awe was the people I went to school with seeing me getting yelled at while my mother was machine gun farting on me, you know? know is that considered child abuse like if you hit your kid it's child abuse but if you machine gun fart on them is that child abuse I gotta find out but anyway I must certainly would have preferred to have lived further away so I've had quite a couple of days and in fact I am actually gonna hop on a nine-seat airplane again because I'm a masochist but also because I got my Xanax and my Dramamine, and go back because I left my girlfriend in Provincetown waiting for me. She's not lonely, though. I think she's been having a very good time. Not too good a time, hopefully. But I do occasionally worry about leaving a very attractive woman alone in Provincetown. You know what I mean. So 
ladies, if you're hot for my girlfriend, you know, buy her a drink. You can buy her a condominium or a co-op or, you know, very expensive jewelry, anything like that. But you can't get anything from her because she's mine, you know. So if you want to buy us like a little house on the beach, you know, that's fine. But she's my chick, you know what I mean? So back off. I'm just saying, just putting it out there. Anyway, so as to the food part of this show, I'd like to give you a little bit of of some of the scoop on some of this gorgeous food we made. So yes, it was crazy labor intensive. So I guess I'm not giving you a great advertisement, but it was kind of worth it. So I got bok choy, which I love, and we washed it and we cut it into bite-sized pieces. Then we got collard greens, which were unusually dirty, so you got to really wash it. And we cut out all the hard parts because you can't eat the hard parts, you know, the hard veins. You're going to break a tooth. It's like a little piece of tree in there. And we cut that into bite-sized pieces. And then we did kind of a quick stir-fry. We got some vegetable oil in these big giant woks. And we did a quick stir-fry, first of the collard greens that needed a little more time, then of the bok choy. And we gave it some garlic while we were stir-frying it, some minced garlic and some sliced garlic and some salt and pepper. We didn't go too crazy after that. That's kind of, we kept it simple. But I made a stir-fry sauce out of rice wine vinegar and brown sugar and fresh garlic and fresh ginger and tamari and toasted sesame oil, which I just kind of whisked up. I actually ran it through the food processor for a second. So then when we went to warm up our beautiful stir-fry, we hit it with our stir-fry sauce. And that was a gorgeous thing, let me tell you. It was a pain in the neck prepping all that collard greens and all the bok choy. And the other thing we did was we had a lot of extra onions. It wasn't necessary, but it was yummy. So we cut up a ton of white onions and did a quick stir-fry of that and mixed it in with our collard greens and our bok choy. It was a gorgeous thing. And then we had our beautiful rice. So first we just cooked jasmine rice. We washed the jasmine rice because rice can be a little dirty. People don't realize that if you don't wash basmati rice or jasmine rice, you you might get an insect or a critter or a little stone or just something you don't feel like eating. So we washed it. And then we took the rice and we, what we say, we toasted it, which meant we put some olive oil and vegetable oil blend or just vegetable oil in a big giant pan and we put the rice in and we just kind of toasted it in the oil until not till it had any color but until all the rice was covered in the oil not a crazy amount of oil but just enough and it felt all hot completely hot and a little bit toasted just a nice texture to do it that way then we put it into deep baking pans because I'm a huge fan of baking rice so much easier especially at this volume And we boiled a ton of water. Normally, I would use vegetable stock, but in this case, I wanted to keep it plain. We poured the boiling water over our rice in the baking pan. We wanted it like two inches of water above the rice. And then we put some parchment paper on top, aluminum foil on top of that, tightly sealed. In the oven, it went 325 to 350 for about a half hour. And you get some perfect rice. Now, we did this two days before. When it was cooled off, we put it in the fridge because for the next action, you want an ice-cold rice. You don't want a warm rice or a room-temperature rice. So we took out our ice-cold rice. Now what we had was a whole ton of sliced and chopped ginger and sliced and chopped garlic and sliced and chopped onions. And so 
we started our kind of a stir fry of the onions and then we put in the garlic actually we put separately in oil and just kind of made a slurry just sort of simmered it in oil and then we added the garlic and then we added the ginger so we had all that going and then we gave it a hint kind of a little hit of my quickie stir fry sauce which was the chamari rice wine vinegar and sesame oil and then we started adding the cold rice and just stir frying it and stir frying it call it refried rice you've had vegetable fried rice same idea a little salt and pepper beautiful went through all the rice like that it had gorgeous color and flavor and we threw in actually i forgot to tell you when we were stir frying the vegetables first we threw in a ton of carrots that we cut into matchsticks kind of like a little julienne that sort of looks like it uh, looks like a match you know so it had all this color later on we folded in peas which we had blanched so now you have the refried rice and the matchstick carrots and the quickly stir-fried red onion and the garlic and the ginger and a ton of sliced scallions and it was just so beautiful and flavorful and gorgeous people were just knocked out let me tell you this is just the side dishes we're talking about i haven't even told you about the entrees i don't even know if i have time to tell you about the entrees all right i'm going to tell you about the pork because i got a few minutes left so we got the pork in we rubbed it in kosher salt and brown sugar and sugar prepped it, scored it up, and just chilled it overnight like that. The next day we put it in the oven, we cooked it for a couple hours like that, and then I mixed rice wine, I mixed a little rice wine vinegar and mostly apple cider vinegar and brown sugar. We poured that in, and then we covered it, and wound up cooking the pork for like six hours, and just put it in the fridge, forgot it. Next day when it was ice cold, because you can't do it when it's hot, we cut it into perfect serving size pieces, beautiful medallions of pork, gorgeous. So, and we put that in our baking pans. The sauce was out of control. I mixed honey, chili, lime, tamari, more sesame, I know, rice wine vinegar, fresh orange juice, sriracha, sriracha, you know, I like that. And something else. I don't know. Oh, a little bit of hoisin and a little bit, I already told you, sriracha. Anyway, I got this gorgeous pork sauce and we basted the pork in that and also all of the drippings from cooking the pork. The next day we were able to take the fat off and we put all that juice over the pork too. And let me tell you what came out was like 5,000 orgasms. Now, I don't eat pork because I'm Jewish and I'm afraid that my dead mother will come back from the grave and kill everyone if I eat pork. And so I don't because, you know, I don't want to get her upset up there. Mom, I love you. Don't kill me. You know what I mean? But I love cooking it. And this was some really sexy pork, I got to say. I could almost taste it just by the smell and the look. It was really exciting. And I don't know. I feel like maybe in the end, when we go to the other place, God is not going to care whether we ate pork or didn't eat pork. God's just going to care whether we were a good person or not. So like Ron DeSantis, you know, maybe he doesn't eat pork or maybe he does, but he's definitely not going to heaven. He's a bad apple. And I truly don't think quite a few people who are in public office are going to heaven. And I know you don't think so either, regardless of where you are in the political spectrum. You know there's a lot of bad people there. And so forget about it. You know, if you worry about eating pork, I don't want to eat pork because I don't want my mother mad at me. But 
I'm more worried about being a good person. And then meanwhile, I'm cooking a lot of pork. So the moral of the story is, if the foo poops, I didn't say the word, hee <laughs> hee, see that? I would have had to call up Maddie to censor me. If the foo, if the foo poops, shoo it. How about that? Well, you know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, if the van cocks out, just get yourself a school bus and go in high style. And if your Oklahoma chili doesn't show up, you know, show up, just go to Wendy's and doctor it up. Life is short and you got to kind of get your groove on. So go out and get your groove on. And as always, food is love. And so are you. Anyway, I'll see you soon, P-Town.